And welcome to To Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. Oh, and I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Yeah, watching for the very first time. Very first time. So, what What was up, Mark? So I almost forgot what to say, but I just remembered at the last second. <laughs> that threw me completely. I did such a rubbish song there. How many episodes have you done? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Mark is struggling with this so much at the minute. We did it like three or four times the other day. You even forgot to say your name. <laughs> 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 we're busy you join us we're on our way to a new world believe it or not a new clean uh unpolluted world aren't we sarah sure ruth's just making us some breakfast and we're who ruth okay <laughs> she <laughs> anyway <laughs> we'll explain who she is if you haven't met her yet um and we have a, a a new crewmate for this episode who we've just woken up from suspended animation david are you okay <sighs> oh i said latchy backer then didn't i it was supposed to be a yawn <laughs> hello hello it's lovely to be back again Oh, yeah, welcome back. Well, you need to go to the memory room or whatever it's called, the remembering room. I've been been there all year. Hello, happy to be back. Now, whenever David's going to be on, I always think it must be a bad story. Oh, I don't think so this time. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> We're planning. Historically, David has joined us for the bad stories, okay? My track record is not. It's not great, is it? Let's, let's face it. <laughs> but Mark did say, oh, come on for one that you actually like. And uh, this is... This <laughs> that's is, nice of it. That's nice of it. So this is the one that I actually like. <laughs> and this is a really good one. Uh, do you know what, though? I'm just going to say, I think we all appreciate the mutants after our discussion last time. Did we? Did we? Oh, I do. Okay, Mark does. Good for him. Anyway, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. I really like this one as well. And we don't know what Sarah thinks at all. I have had no communication from Sarah. I, I was expecting something when <laughs> you were watching this, but I have nothing. I have no idea at all. Well, so I had a wisdom tooth taken out last week and I was watching it over the weekend while I was recovering. Okay, hopefully that doesn't sort of skew your judgment of this story like i'm just a bit sorted do you know what i've been absolutely fine you know you hear all these horror stories like people have black eyes and nothing i was fine i feel worse today than i did when i had it out yeah you were fine the other day today it's really sore i'm just thinking how you get a black eye for having a wisdom tooth People do because they like numb it all and then they like push on your mouth. So mine was really quick. I literally it was out within two minutes. But I can imagine why people have bruising and stuff. And I think people get black eyes if they have the top ones on because they're just like pushing on your face. They're just basically they're just tugging it out. They're not like and if they really struggle, then they cut into the gum. But mine was out within two minutes. So I think I just avoided like the swelling, the bruising, everything because it was just so quick. Okay, go me. I, I was trying to think of a sort of a segue to go from teeth to invasion of the dinosaurs. <laughs> dinosaurs, yeah, dinosaurs yeah, have yeah. Teeth, teeth um, herbivores, carnivores. It was the time warrior last week, and you first saw Sarah Jane, beginning of uh, season eleven, new companion Sarah Jane, and you weren't yeah, that Sarah in, James. She was Sarah James, <laughs> the famous Sarah James. 
<laughs> and, and, I mean, you weren't overly excited about her. Not as much as I thought you were going to be. No. I liked her by the end, but it was a slow burn. So Invasion of the Dinosaurs, sort of a fan, well, fan opinion I think is divided. What do you think, David? Weirdly, actually, I recently put something up on Twitter about Invasion of the Dinosaurs saying that I was watching it. People love it, I find. The one thing that lets it down for them are the dinosaurs. <laughs> because actually, yeah. it's quite a good, solid story, and it's it's well done, and it's quite action-packed. It's just a shame that the dinosaurs look so shit. If it was the nowadays, it would be so much better. But it is literally like someone's got like... There was one scene in particular where... I think it was when you first see a T-Rex... And it literally looked like a guy just like brought on from the side his toy dinosaur, and it wasn't really moving. It but it was moving in terms of like it was just going in a straight line, and it was just like a guy was like pushing it on. It was like ah, bit like when it was shuffling out in episode two, and it was like that. You can't see that, but it was sort of moving out of shot, but not turning round. Just kind of like okay, I'm off now. That's me doing, and I'm done. It's like moonwalking <laughs> back. For me, Invasion of Dinosaurs, it was actually the last VHS release. I, I remember getting this because I hit this was what, 2002, three, maybe? It was really at the end. And I vividly remember this because I bought this from, it was either Lakeside or Blue Water, you know, where the mutants was filmed. <laughs> I told you they have a mutant shop. And um, yeah, yeah, I've got it pretty much from the mutant shop there. And I remember this day. Okay, I'm just going to go into a quick story now <laughs> before we start. Because I went for the day out shopping with um, my supervisor from the co-op and some other co-op friends. We all drove off, you know, shopping centre for the day. And I sort of wasn't into Doctor Who as much by then. And I, I don't know why, I just saw this. I'd never seen this story before. It was one of the only ones I, you know, hadn't got around to, to watching. Uh, and I saw it, I got it from HMV, and I was like, oh yeah, why not, you know, got this. But I also remember that day, because my supervisor, and I won't name her, uh, not that she's going to listen or anything, she was like, right, she went to Supercuts, uh, and she's like, right, I'm going to go and get my hair cut, you, go, you guys go off. She was sort of like supervisor, like out of work as well as in, and she walked in, and we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, go off and HMV or something. Uh, and then like two minutes later, she just stormed out, and she was like, right, I'm not going there. Like, we, 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 I'm not going to get my hair cut now. And we're like, what's what's the matter? What's happened? And she was like storming off ahead, and she was like, "They won't cut my hair. I've got nits. They won't cut my hair." Oh. <laughs> we're like, "Wow, oh, okay." <laughs> anyway, so that what that's what we're in invasion of the dinosaurs. I didn't even know that was a thing. As in, like, a hairdresser wouldn't cut your hair if you had nits. Well, yeah, they told us to leave. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. That's what this reminds me of, getting the video and knits <laughs> for some reason. That's such a run. I've learned so much there. <laughs> it's clean hair. That's where knits thrive. I don't know. She was like, I've got knits. They're not doing it. Uh, yeah. How weird. Oh, poor her and poor knits and poor dinosaurs. But I got this video. So, and then, and then watching it, I didn't really, obviously we know there's dinosaurs in it, but I didn't really know much about the story at all. And there's, there's more, there's quite a lot going on in this. So shall we go through in order and then just talk as we go? Let's do it. Let's try. Well, first thing I want to say is, is first time ever I've noticed that in the title sequence, we go through John Pertwee's crotch. 
<laughs> which I wasn't expecting yes. six now, times. I noticed new title sequence, but this was the first time I noticed, and maybe it's just because like, I haven't paid that much attention. This is the first time I noticed it's going through him. Yeah. Through his crotch. Is this the first time we saw? I didn't notice it in the last story. I saw like all the blues and I saw his fate, like, and then I saw the Doctor Who thing and didn't notice until this one that we sort of went through. Maybe it's like, um, like a Brit box thing because I skip sometimes. I don't know, but it's. You might have skipped. You might have skipped. No, I, I, I'd only noticed it first time when I was watching it. It's very off putting, I must say. Now you've pointed it out, I have noticed it. <laughs> I'm going to never unsee that now. I, I'm interested to know, though, Sarah, watching on BritBox, is episode one in black and white? No, colour. Everything was in colour. Oh, okay. Because episode one, uh, they, they it was always in black and white, and then when they brought it out on DVD, they colourised it, didn't they? Cause that, that's right, isn't it? So episode one, I don't know if you, you know, it's, it's called just Invasion rather than Invasion of the Dinosaurs, and the idea what... And the oh. idea was they didn't want to give away that it was dinosaurs in the title, which is like, you know, the first time ever. They could have done that in Planet of the Daleks or something, couldn't they? But they didn't. I think what happened was it got mixed up with the invasion, as in the Cyberman invasion, and they junked episode one thinking it was episode one of the invasion. So, ah, that's so like a sort of badly colorized episode one only exists sort of on film, uh, which is why I wasn't sure if they sorted that out for Brickbox or not, but. There we go. Yeah. It was definitely in colour because I would have remembered it being black and white. And I didn't think the colour was that bad. Okay, yeah, it's it's okay. They've done quite a good job. Um, so it's deserted London. Uh, really good setup, I think. I love episode one. I love a lot of episode ones. I think for me, that first, it's like five minutes, isn't it, where it's all panning around. I think that's incredible. Like even that could be in a, like a Hollywood film. And that still look really, really good. I mean, obviously, they shot it at probably like three o'clock in the morning, like on a car going around Central. But you couldn't do that now because obviously London would be thriving and everything like that. I think it's a really great opener. Yeah, I agree. I was watching it and I kept thinking, like, how have they managed to do this? Like, what time of day have they done this and stuff? Because, you know, when we've had London in the past, you said they had to do it like Sunday morning really early, but it felt quite bright and stuff it felt like the middle of the day so it was really good well i wrote down it was lockdown 2020 they filmed that (laughs) 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 and you have the doctor and sarah landing in london so they've supposedly just come back from medieval england from last week uh, and they're walking around investigating and we don't really know what's going on not not for a while there's that burglar guy that they meet, don't they? The, the, like the looter and everything, and he and you see quite a bit of blood when he gets killed. Yeah, you can really tell Elizabeth Sladen has really got into it. It's only her second story, but she's already kind of, I think, really sort of like in it now, and kind of there's no kind of, oh, I, I'm so scared of everything. It's like, no, this is it. This is what we're doing, and the relationship between the two of them is really good. And there's still that sort of feeling of like she's just come back for some weird adventure. It's funny because it feels like. I can't think how to explain it. She sort of stumbled along. I don't feel like she's even an official companion yet. Like, it's not like the Doctor's even accepted her as being part of, like, this journey yet, you know? I think that's the idea when they had that she's this journalist. Again, she said she's a journalist. And, like, in the first episode, in the first, in the Time Warrior, she's this journalist that gets caught up. Here, he's brought her back and she gets caught up again. She's not, like the companion that we had with Liz or Joe, where it's 
where he says, like, this is my assistant and she's employed by unit. She's not. She's just a random person that just happens to know that just gets stuck in. And I, I really like that. And it's it, it sort of gets, you know, it always gets a bit phased out a bit later on. When, uh, But that's what I like about her first two stories, that actually, yeah, she could just, she'd be like, right, I'm going home now. She doesn't have any, you know, it's not her job to be there. No, she has no ties to it. Can I tell you an Elizabeth Sloven story? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I only, only sadly ever met her once, um, and I was quite young at the time. I'm trying to think how old I must have been, about 13. And I, Elizabeth Slayton's probably one of the only people I've ever met that I was just starstruck. Like, I did not know what to say to her. It was at this event where you got two free autographs per person. Um, you, you know the ones I mean, don't you, Mark, where you, you pay and then you get two per guest. Um, so I had me and my dad's ticket, so I obviously got a few more bits done. Um, and when I got to, when it got to me, they were like, oh, we've had to cut the numbers down because she's just so busy. So there I was, and I, I could hardly speak to her at all, and I was sort of like looking at it. I don't really know what I said, talked to her about, really. And then um, she signed a couple of bits for me, and then she saw my little folder that I had, and she said, oh, have you got more stuff for me in there? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, oh, do you want me to sign those for you? And the idiot of me went, oh, you're not allowed, because we were only allowed a certain number of things. And she sort of looked at the person next to her and looked at me, sort of beckoned me and said, if you give me another jelly baby, I'll sign all your stuff for you for nothing. Aww. And the security guard with her went, Liz, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. It's, it's one per person. And she sort of looked at him and said, take out my fee if you have to. It's fine. Don't worry. And so she signed a couple more little bits. And I just That's all I remember her saying. And I'm sure she... She probably appreciated your honesty as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. She's yeah. so lovely. Yeah, I only met her once and she said I had cold hands uh, and rubbed them together. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they? Why are all these people nicer to David than to me? <laughs> this always happens. Where you need you to look at yourself hard, Mark. Here, <laughs> where did you meet her? Where, where did uh, you meet her? in Barky? I was about fourteen, fifteen, and it's the only photo. Well, yeah, I mean, I will not put it out there because it's the worst photo. Like this is like young me, really bad photo. That I'm, I want to see. I, I want to oh see. Oh my god, I look terrible. I look so bad. It's awful. No, we want to see it so badly now. You can't I look mean, as bad as me. It's uh, I'm just and I'll, I I've got this shirt on. I've got like this my brother's leather jacket, older brother's leather jacket, and his shirt on, which is too big for me. And even in the picture, you can see the buttons are misaligned. They're done out. Like I look so. <laughs> it's like it's awful. It's awful. But she took my hand and she rubbed them. She's like, "Oh, you got cold hands." Um, yeah, and oh, it was it was amazing. And that was back in the day. You had your photograph taken, and they sent it to you in the post like two weeks later. I remember waiting for these Aww. photos. She's still that that character though from the Time Warrior in this, and we've got Unit back as well in this story. Yes. So they're not gone. And, and do you know what? I think this was one of my favourite Unit collaborations. I know why as well. I know exactly why she said that. Okay. Well, I go on. It's going right to the end, but Benton saves the day. I oh, know. I also think that by now the brigadier and the doctor's relationship is really solid. He's trying to just manage the situation, but he's like, I'm waiting for the doctor. And he listens. And to the point, there's like at least twice when the doctor genuine, like very early on, he's arrested. And then there's another time. And previous brigadier would have been more suspicious. Whereas now, you know, he has complete trust that the doctor is who he is and good and trying to help them and understands that no one else understands that. 
And I don't know, it, it was just really nice to watch because I was like, that relationship now is really solid. I do think, though, surely the Brigadier would have known, like when, when the Doctor got arrested and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm the scientific advisor, surely the Brigadier would have said something. Like that was the only thing when they got arrested. It was like, sh- surely they would know who the Doctor is. Well, I was going to say, surely he would have a pass or something or, yeah. you know, but... No, but he never has, has he? That's all point. He doesn't want to be like... The Doctor never wanted to be, like, tied down to that whole thing. So he has that freedom. And it's now... I think it's like the Brigadier's just accepted that that's what the Doctor is. He will help them. He will be there. He will support them. But you've got to give him his freedom, too. Mm. Yeah. Whereas previously, he's always been trying to, like, detain the Doctor, you know? Mm. And do it my way. Do it this way. And it. I feel like... I think it's since he went to space. <laughs> yeah. I do. I think since he went to space, he's been like, hang on a minute. There is stuff I do not know. Since then, it's been like a completely different relationship. I really like them being in the school rather in the, than the unit lab. I don't know why. I just really like that set with the it's map. Nice. Yeah, and- yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it feels like sort of end of the world type. They're the only ones left there doing everything. I, I really like that feel. Uh, I I have a question for Sarah whilst mm-hmm. we're sort of in this bit of the story obviously we have the first glimpse of a dinosaur which is flying in what were your thoughts when you <laughs> saw the dinosaurs for the very first time? It was awful wasn't it? I mean that flying one was terrible yeah it was, it was so bad I really liked it, I thought it was really effective the puppet one's not bad. When, when it's, it's flying, the- well, when it's flying down and attacking all that whole jeep sequence in the garage and stuff, it's when it's like sort of there, right? So he's like ah, like this, and it's there, so you can see it, and it is obviously just like a thing on a stick. Oh, I don't but know. They're just like swooshing. Okay, the worst one. Oh no, I was just like, I literally was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> I think the T-Rex is the worst one. Oh, definitely. T-Rex is terrible. That's the shame as well, is why did they reveal the dinosaurs halfway through and not in the cliffhanger? Like, if they wanted to keep the suspense of the dinosaurs being in this and not telling anyone, why put them in the middle? Surely you'd want to put them as the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. You do then get it as a cliffhanger. I think you get that T-Rex a couple of times as a cliffhanger, which is just not... Good at all. I really like the Stegosaurus. Stegosaurus is my favourite dinosaur. He's quite he's, sweet. Oh, he's my favourite. I'm like, that's fine. He's that very he chill, stay. isn't he? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a herbivore, isn't he? Yeah. One thing I noticed is it's the same rules over and over again. Again, mm. did they not have any... I thought they did have any footage, but you know what I mean. Did mm. they not think of any other kind of rules? It's weird. I mean, the, there's the ambition of doing dinosaurs... You've got to give them credit for that. Mm. And actually, I'm surprised they, Doctor Who hasn't tried this before. They could have tried it in the 60s or something. I don't think they'd have had... I mean, it's it's green screen to the rescue here. Yeah, I know, but they, they did try the web planet. And you would... <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> what's look worse? how that turned out. What's worse, trying the web planet or dinosaurs? I, I don't know. But the web planet was, in a way, make-believe. They were making monsters that do not exist dinosaurs we know what dinosaurs look like you know like most kids in school will learn about dinosaurs and they'll have seen books and this is what a t-rex is and this is what you know so you can't escape something that you know you have to make what we know be believable they could not have done that i think as well from 
the documentary they were saying was when they originally thought of this idea, they went with this company that promised them that these dinosaurs were going to look amazing. And then obviously they they turned up and that's what, and I think even the production were like, what the hell is that? Like, even they knew these were bad. And apparently, I think it's Terence Dix who says, oh, and then the company went into liquidation afterwards, and I'm not bloody surprised. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, they do their best. But, yeah, it's just not, not, um, they're not great, are they? They're not. Let's hope for the Blu-ray they might redo the dinosaurs and make them a bit better yeah they're always talking <laughs> that about said it would lose its charm That's because true. there was sort of like a 70s charm of like that t-rex that doesn't move it's obviously some guy with a green hand just <laughs> moving it along like a toy i to the point i was so convinced that that didn't move when it did move i was shocked i was so convinced it was just a plastic toy uh, do you know what i think this would be worse thought of if the story wasn't so good, like it doesn't rely on just the dinosaurs. There's more going on than that. It's mm. not like, oh, there's just dinosaurs they're attacking everyone, like Jurassic Park or whatever. There's you know, there's more going on than that. And I think that's what holds the interest for me. So it doesn't matter that the dinosaurs are so bad because everything else is actually really, really good. And they're quite secondary, aren't they, really, in this story. Obviously it's called Invasion of the Dinosaurs, but you could take if you didn't have the dinosaurs in it, it would still be a really good plot for a story it's just i wonder yeah I, I wonder if that maybe they saw the dinosaurs and like oh we'll just cut those out quickly a bit more get rid of a couple of those that classic thing of looking at it as it was and not thinking about how shit they look and then speaking of the story we see a uh, general finch comes in uh and mike yates is is with him coming in yeah so we've got everyone from unit back together there and he does mention he's had some leave since the maggot incident. He's been off, uh, <laughs> and like, and then you you start to see. I mean, we're going to talk about the whole Yates thing because that is such a big part of this. This is amazing, and I love Yates because uh, he's talking about oh, wouldn't it be? It's quite nice that there's no pollution, that there's clean air. A bit like when lockdown happened, Mike Yates would love lockdown, wouldn't he? Uh, <laughs> he doesn't love lockdown. He probably was the one that brought COVID here. and you know so you start that there's that sort of hint there um so i'm gonna just skip over the story a minute so sarah did you suspect when did you or or were you shocked i didn't i was shocked so i thought it was going to be the general that walked in i did not expect yates and actually when he was talking about yeah but it's quite nice i kind of thought it was more like a throwback to like that the maggots episode, you know, where they were trying to make like things greener, they were trying to be like, you know, the whole point of that story wasn't it was eco warrior sort of thing. And I thought it was some sort of like throwback to that and him just missing Joe, maybe because mm. she, you know, they were supposed to have a thing or not. If you listen to Katie Manning, but that's by the by. <laughs> and um, I did not when he walked through, I was like, oh! it's really I good really because shy. actually in this story you've got a bit of a who done it or who is it because there's so many suspects as well. You have got the MP, you got General Finch. You know, there's an insight. There's quite a few different people that it could be. Sarah Jane is not good at spotting them. For a journalist, she always goes to the. (laughs) That's true. She always walks into trouble, doesn't she? Let's face it. Boy, I really do choose my friends, don't I? She does. Like every time, she goes, "What? You're going to be the person. You'll help me." And then they're like in on it, and she's like, "Comes back, tells another person they're in on it." 
Ugh. But yeah, but Yates sabotages the Doctor's gadget, and he and you know that's the end of part two, I think. When you know when the T Rex or whatever comes comes down on him, and you the audience knows that it's Mike, and I like that nobody else would ever suspect him. What I liked though is they could have gone full sabotage. They could have gone like he is completely, but he still has faith, or that like, he's still with the Doctor. He doesn't want the Doctor harmed. He doesn't want the doctor because he does go and like try and stop it, doesn't he? he? Just try and like save it, and he shouts at them. So he doesn't want that to happen, and I quite like that because, of course, he wouldn't. He knows this man. He knows the like. He knows all these people. He knows how clever they are. He doesn't want harm to them, but he has been obviously brainwashed enough to believe that like this is the right thing to do. I still prefer Yates over Benton. Just going to say that. Interesting. That's so interesting. But I think partly because he has this sort of character change in this arc throughout. They, it's it's a good, interesting thing to do with one of these unit regulars. So he's, he's been there since, you know, the last couple of seasons. And for him to sort of go, well, not completely bad, but to to be the person that turns against it, I think that that's great. That's such a good idea. Because you could have just had the general and, you know, character of the week or villain of the week, but it's actually one of the regulars. I think that's really cool. I do love Benton, though. I mean, Benton did do the fertility dance. He did, and he had that little colour coordinated little pins on the uh, on the board. He's like such a loser, and I love that. <laughs> I, I think I love that he's like he's just so good. He's a loser in most things. He's just so happy to be part of like this weird alien thing and learning and not knowing what's and just you know he's very yeah gets on with it. But can I also say? Sarah says she's going to go and flirt with Yates. Is that a possibility? Is that another couple that I've invented there? (laughs) I think it is, yeah. I think it is. As you said earlier, she doesn't trust the right people, clearly, for a journalist. So, you know. No, she doesn't. She all likes a bad boy, doesn't she, clearly? (laughs) Sarah Jane likes a bad boy. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah Jane wants a scoop. Yeah, and she (laughs) makes friends with um, Grover. Uh, the MP, which whenever they say Grover, I always think of that blue thing from Sesame Street. That's called Grover, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I was just thinking the same. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, whenever I think of Grover, I think of, is that it's not the blue thing. No, it's the blue Grover's... one. No, Grover's the one no, that's, that's like, oh, hey, everybody. <laughs> you know that one. I'm going to count <laughs> yes. to three. It's that one. <laughs> Hello there. This is your old pal Grover. Mm-hmm. And today I'm going to talk to you about near and Far. Hmm? I'm looking this up. It's Grover. No, he's he's blue, isn't he? Grover's blue. I think it is. Blue. I, I think love Grover. Was blue. No, Grover, because he's my favourite Sesame Street. <laughs> oh yes, he is. You're right. You're right. He's blue. He's blue. Maybe they could do a Muppet version of the Invasion of the Dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Isn't isn't the Grover the one that's um, uh, Sesame Street Grover? He's like, I'm going to run up the stairs. Da, 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 da. I'm going to come down the stairs. No? Okay, anyway. There's a really (laughs) funny song, which I saw on... So the composer for Sesame Street died recently, and he did a song about them having blue fur, and all the ones with blue fur sing it. Fuzzy and blue, that's me, I'm fuzzy and blue. It's just the way that I grew. Love being fuzzy and blue. I do. There we are. That that's MP Grover doing a little song. Uh, anyway, back to the story. 
So you have quite a lot of characters in this. All these different, and then you have the two scientists as well. Yes. Uh, which um, David has met one of these. Have you met Martin Jarvis and Peter Miles? I've met Peter Miles. I had a rather awkward encounter with Peter Miles. So he's the one that oh, ends up. On. He's the one that ends up going off to with the MP at the end in the to back to prehistoric. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Who also? Yeah. Well, we, before I tell the story, we were saying actually a lot of this these episodes have a lot of other cast members in that are in other stories. So he's in the Silurians. Oh. The who's the one who is like the anti-vaxxer, isn't he? He's going, I'm not having my people vaccinated from this Silurian curse. Him. Oh, yeah. We've got Ruth, who appears later, who's in the Celestial Toymaker. She's Queen of Hearts. Queen of Hearts. Oh, okay. You have Grover is in Underwater oh, Menace. Yeah, Grover, uh, which I found out today. Yeah, Grover is Cheese Hat Man from the Underwater Menace. MP Grover. You know, I'm going to have to, like, I'm trying to remember Cheese Hat Man now. Okay, Cheese Hat Man. You know um, Professor Zeroff? Yeah? Underwater Menace? Yeah. Yeah, so the guy, the yeah. priest, the, not Cyril, but the other priest guy. Oh. Not- okay. I've gone to Cyril there. I'll have to, you'll have to send me something. Okay. It'll come to me, I'm sure, when I see him. And also, to, we've also got Martin Jarvis, who is in the web planet. Full oh, circle, yes. played a butterfly. And he appears <laughs> in another story later on. And then the the general appears in another story later on. But I'm not going to tell you what that is, because uh, it's about to say you'll recognise mm. him, but you won't. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I didn't realise that yeah. all these, yeah, this whole cast. All is this like... cast are all in, all in different stories. But no, I met, I met Peter Miles not long before he died. And uh, oh, I don't know if I should tell this story, but I'm going to. Um, he was quite touchy-feely, shall we just say. <laughs> and I got my stuff signed, and he turned to me and said, um, how many Doctor Who stories was I in, and if you know, I'll give you a prize. And I was like, I don't I don't know, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm not quite sure on the answer of that. And he was like, oh, I don't know. And as he was, because he's in three stories, he comes back in another one later on as a different character. And as he was signing the three of them, he went, of my three stories, which one is your favourite? And I said, oh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. So I think it's a really good script. He said, no, you're wrong. It's the other one. And it's the one that he appears in later on. Uh, and so I sort of made a very quick exit from that thing and went, bye. And sort of left as quickly as I could. It was very awkward. I yeah. I didn't meet him. I stood near him once, but that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough, to be honest. That's a, have you ever, because I know you're only slightly older than me, did you ever meet John Pertwee? I never met John Pertwee, no. Okay. Well, no. I've got another story, if you don't mind. This is my last story, I promise. So my mum met John Pertwee in the 1980s, and she emailed me everything because I didn't want to get it wrong. So this is what she had to say. Shout out to my mum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the early 1980s, I was working at London Zoo. Our children's zoo had a small, completely open amphitheatre, which was used for animal shows, talks by keepers, etc. We decided to try having guest storytellers to entertain the children, as the seating area was open, families could come and go as they wished. So basically, they could walk through, and if they didn't want to you know, listen to the story, they just carried on through. Um, and so on one occasion, they booked John Pertwee. And they booked loads of other people as well, but she couldn't remember who else they booked, but John Pope was one of them. Apparently he got uh, partway through his first reading when some people got up to move, obviously because the kid wasn't very engaged. He got up, had a hissy fit and shouted, this is intolerable, and stormed off, followed by our public relations officer who tried unsuccessfully to persuade him to return. I have to say, we all thought his prima donna behaviour was hilarious. I mean, 
I'm glad that I haven't met him because I don't think I would like him. Oh, there's something about him. He would be a bit. He would be a bit Annika Wills, sort of. I think he would be. Mm, I don't think you would get that experience. I think he would be very much about the money and. Uh, I mean, I know he was great and he did a lot of conventions and he always dressed up as a doctor and everything, but that was his job. He did a lot in the nineties, didn't he? You said as well. He was up your granny. Yeah, but that was his job. I don't think. I think if he didn't want to meet you or he was busy or you know he had other stuff to do, I don't think he would that's just what i've sort of gathered from you know the the vibe of it yeah so i think for me whenever i think of john pertwee as the doctor i always think of like this like this and the demons those are kind of like his best performances i think personally like john pertwee is not my favorite doctor i like him he's just not he's not my favorite doctor yeah i think sometimes and i listening to other episodes he can be quite dickish doctor and he's a little bit dickish doctor in this a few times i do find I liked him, I liked that sort of when he's been arrested and he's just sort of like, and then they get the chairs and stuff. I thought all that was like really funny. I love the bit when they have their photos taken and he's like, oh, he's like, should we have one of us together? Like you, come Yeah, I thought all that was really funny. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I really like that. And if if you're looking at Sarah Jane there, because she's quite new and you can see that she's quite, you know, she's not been in these kind of situations. For him, he's like, oh, whatever. He's always against the you know, police or army, you know, he's all establishment, he's there, and he doesn't really care. And you can see her in that situation and the, the way that uh, Elizabeth Sladen plays it, she sort of is a bit scared, but she looks up to the doctor and it's like, oh, well, if he's being like that, I'll play along. And then she does it as well. Uh, you can really see It's done see really that. well. And that's the first time you sort of see, I think sort of he, oh, hang on. Oh, i got a whole water bottle and... It's just like started spilling water out randomly on my bum, uh, and it was very hot. (laughs) (laughs) That was unexpected. Um, It's done really well because, like you say, she's obviously nervous. She plays that really well. That scene, she plays that sort of. I don't want to appear that I'm scared, but I'm probably a little bit scared. She plays that so well, and he can probably sort of tell. So he's probably over-exaggerating as a doctor to show this is going to be fine, don't worry. I'm not going to, like, but I've been here many times, we're going to be all right sort of thing. And that is a really nice bonding I found for them too. That was a scene where I was like, I can see how this sort of, like, can work, these two characters. But then later on, he is he is a bit more dickish because no one's listening to her when she's trying to say, doesn't she? And she's like, oh, tell the doctor I've gone out to play or, you know, he's very dismissive. Uh, of her and she really doesn't like that but i think that's because if we go back i think that's her more than him look we've already she's not a companion in that like she's not a companion she is on that theory um sarah were you surprised to see unit again or are you no i wasn't i mean to some extent i kind of expected them to go back to earth after the last story because it's not like she's agreed to go on an adventure she's literally stumbled into like on an adventure so i thought he was always going to bring her back and by coming back to earth usually when we're on earth we see unit and and i was just going back i did really enjoy like how unit was set up in all this and that basically a lot of the stories already happened we're sort of in the middle of it i really liked that angle of it yeah i like that and so going just into part three i've literally written just a couple of notes for part three because this really is my sort of favourite part of the story. The whole bit when Sarah goes off to Grover 
and she's telling him the story. She's trying to find this underground base. And when he takes her into that filing cabinet room... <laughs> I was really worried for her. Like, you know something bad's going to happen. And also, he's an MP, so you shouldn't have trusted trust him anyway. Like, it's, it's surely no. that, that is the first rule of being an MP, is you do not trust them. The tension in that scene is just... I don't think we've had anything like it before. I don't know what it is. And then you go down the lift. And then when we get to that cliffhanger at the end of episode three, that is generally one of the best cliffhangers we've had when they're like, where she wakes up in the spaceship and looks out and he said, we left her three months ago. When I watched this on video for the first time, I genuinely, that's one of the only times watching classic Doctor Who where I've been totally shocked. I had no idea that was happening. It really is, really was a big moment when I watched that. I think, I think the best thing about that as well is it comes completely out of nowhere. And as I said on when we did the mutants, you know, a lot of these six part stories need to have that thing halfway through to change the direction of the story. And that is exactly, but it, it, like you say, it doesn't set it up or anything. It is literally like five, even like two minutes before it, finishes it's like yeah we're on a spaceship now that's it and i can imagine at the time being watching that being like oh my god what's going to happen i mean obviously it's also a clever way later on finding out that they're not on a spaceship and they've all been like it's a very clever way of doing that in a story but that yeah like i just love the fact it just comes out of nowhere it's like there we are yeah we're on a spaceship and that's that's it the other thing i i've written down for episode three that absolutely made me die with laughter obviously they kidnapped the not kidnapped, they chain up the... Um, uh, oh, we've not talked about the dinosaur being kidnapped. Yeah. No, we've not. Which I thought was brilliant because they gave like the tiniest bit of rope and they're like, we'll catch it with this. And you're like, yeah, a little bit of rope's going to stop a dinosaur. But then obviously she goes and then takes photos, which is a big no-no. Come on, Sarah Jane. Then she gets knocked out by a plank of wood. <laughs> oh, that was, I thought that was quite good, the way she's like, plonk. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I I lulled a lot at that dinosaur waking back up. I just looked really fit because it kind of looked like it was a blood like a balloon. <laughs> yeah, they just like And it looked like someone's just like opening and releasing the air valve. So it's like inflating, deflating, inflating. And then as it gets up, it's like <laughs> like one of those like you know what I mean? You know, those blow up things but it happens to be shaped like a dinosaur and it really made me roll how do t-rexes get up like that is a mystery well they only have little arms don't they so it's like i always try and think of how a t-rex makes a bed (laughs) (laughs) you know trying to put that sheet on bloody hell that would i guess that's why they have such big legs though because it's they don't when they go down i can't imagine it getting back up that's why their legs are quite stonky to stop it falling because it's only got little arms, so it would get up like ooh, like a like one of those um, balloon men that wave in the air, you know. <laughs> just replace it with them. Maybe that someone should do an edit of just replace all the dinosaurs with those little like balloony things balloon that you see normally outside car garages, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just going back to the ending of this, um, that whole scene in the filing cabinet. There is no music. It's just like the tension of the space and the whole time and he's been perfectly nice and i know to some extent nothing like 
bad in terms of like he's not going to abuse her or att- like that in that you know <laughs> but it felt but it felt that sort of tension because they're in this tiny little room and he's been overly nice and she's just a woman getting on with it and I was just like gosh if this was like past watershed on like a Saturday night drama he'd be like attacking her in that tiny room or something that's obviously not going to happen it's Doctor Who but it was that level of tension yeah when they went onto a spaceship I did the same thing the three month thing I genuinely thought for a second, I was like, hang on a minute. Has he, like, got her down? Have we, like, going to have two timelines going on now where she's three months ahead? I genuinely, for a little bit, was like, I can't believe that they've, like, jumped it. It reminded me of, uh, what were they called? Mary and... Joseph. <laughs> no, Mary Ash. No, Mary Ash. I... Gail. No, um, <gasps> maybe it wasn't Colin Mary. And Mary. Colin and Mary. That story, when Colin, when we met Colin and Mary for the first time, and I was like, what? That's sort of like blindsided. And like like Dave said, when you have a sex party, you need that. You need that complete shift. New characters come in, new direction. And this definitely had it. This That was a proper, oh, my God. It's um, Mary and Joseph or whatever. <laughs> Mary and Colin, sorry. And I think what is done so well in Invasion of the Dinosaurs is the fact that it is literally the last 30 seconds of the episode. You think, oh, bloody hell, it's going to be another dinosaur as a cliffhanger, because let's face it, they've all been that so far. So then to have, like you say, the whole three months of, well, has he, has she been asleep for three months? Like, li- leaving the audience in suspense for a week, that would be something that people go, well, is she, you know, wh- where are they? What are they going to do? Are they going to a different planet? Like, it's all, it's just really cleverly written and directed. And yeah, I think this is really well directed as well. It's so believable, and that's credit to her, I think, as well, because sometimes the companions, especially early on, can be a bit hammy. You know, they're like, they know they're on Doctor Who, and they know that, like, they're playing in these ridiculous scenarios, and they're still finding their character and balance, but this is full credit to her here. I think she knows who a character is. I don't know if it stays the same, but she knows who this character is. And she just plays to it so well. And she's not playing it as a kids' TV show. Is like she's no. playing it as a this could go out on a Saturday night, you know, TV line of duty kind of thing. Absolutely, and yeah. that is how you. I always say that about when people are in Doctor Who, you have to play it straight. All these characters in the story have to be played seriously. Like General Finch is a bit of a bastard, let's face it, but yeah, a lesser actor than the actor who plays him could have played it a bit more kind of, not camp, but you know what I mean, a bit more silly and a bit more sort of moustache twirling. But he does absolutely. He plays it like to the point of when he is revealed to be part of it as well. Because so far we've only had Yates and the MP. It's not until a bit later on that he, you realise he is as well. And it's it's totally believable. Even bits in it when like, the young scientist is like the driver, you know, when you come in, they're looking for Sarah and you have the audience going, it's him. But obviously they don't know that because they've not met him. And they, the way the camera's done, because you don't see his face. So he's delivering these lines and then it turns and you see the camera shows him. It's really well done. It's really clever. It's just really, it, it's as if someone that directed dramas i want to say the bill but i don't mean the bill do you know what i mean that sort of like yeah like the policey drama or the sort of suspenseful of the murder things i feel like they've got like an adult director to come in and do this story and it's a woman is it it is it's a woman director oh i love that like all the actors here i mean yeah like you said 
the way that they play it, and you've thrown dinosaurs in as well. They could have read the script and been like, oh, right, we're acting with dinosaurs here. Let's send it up. But yeah, you're right, they don't. And that, going back to that cliffhanger again, I'm just going to say the best cliffhanger in all of classic Doctor Who for me. Wow. That's a bold statement. I'm happy, I'm happy to be bold in that statement, yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, it is very good. I wouldn't say it's my favourite, but you know, I, I, you do you. Only because it's one of those generally tough. Because you watch classic Doctor Who, and okay, you're watching it on video or DVD. It's a, uh, you know, it's not of the time. So it, there's, it's very rare when a moment shocks you or scares you from classic. You know, when you're watching it when you're older. But that really genuinely did to stay with me. I feel like this might be my favourite of the seventies. <gasps> oh my. God. As in, like, cliffhanger. Oh, okay. I thought you meant story then. I was like, bloody hell. <laughs> <yeah." laughs> no, 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 as in, like, I think it's my favourite cliffhanger yeah. oh, of the 70s. absolutely, yeah. I can't think of... There was like, one or two in the 60s that I remember having, like, a <gasps> moment at, so I just can't remember them off the top of my head right now, but I never remember anything very well, so... We don't really talk about the cliffhangers very much, actually, unless they really stand out. No, and I, I, I don't want to piss on your... <laughs> Parade, but I might just piss on your parade just for a moment, as uh, <laughs> as Sarah would say. Um, I do find I think is it episode. Hold on, let me see what my note says. I think it's episode five. Yeah, episode four cliffhanger when the Doctor's been framed for the dinosaurs. John Pertwee does not do a good cliffhanger face. Like I have noticed that watching a few of the John, he does not do a good like shocked face as a cliffhanger. <laughs> kind of looks like he just can't be asked. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Though, like he's just been framed for, for for they think he's brought the dinosaurs to the, to England, and when they when they walk in and be like, oh, there he is, caught him in the act. He's just like, oh, hello. I think it's maybe sort of because it's green screen, and then he's probably working out where to look and stuff. I think maybe that's probably what it is. It's not, you know what I mean. You think he'd look a bit more kind of like, what? It's not me. Like shock. Whereas it's just like, oh, hello. Yeah. But <laughs> then usually marks. Like the third doctor's faces are what annoy Mark the most. Well, when he's doing his sort of, he's something strangling him or he's, you know, his mind or something like that. And yeah, they tend to be cliff angry like. ones. Yeah, they're really over the top. Um, going back to the, the spaceship, we meet the elders. Going back to the story. Going back to the story. <laughs> Go, the, so in the, on the spaceship, we meet the elders. Don't worry, my dear. We'll look after you. You're the first to recover. You're bound to feel a little strange at first. Who are you? We're the elders. And we have Ruth, who Sarah doesn't remember, who's the lady, Queen of Hearts. Uh, Nigel, the writer guy, who looks like Jeremy Corbyn. Yes, nice. he does. I never <laughs> noticed that before. <laughs> so we've got Queen of, Queen of Hearts, Jeremy Corbyn. And Mark, who I wrote down was called John for ages. <laughs> <years. laughs> I, really like <laughs> I got Sarah. I got Sarah Super Trooper, and I got Sarah James. Mark can't even get Mark when he appears on screen. Someone called him John, I swear, and I wrote that down. And then later no, she on, does, I think she does call him John, doesn't she? I think she says you're John Thingy, who's the yeah, but he's called Mark, the... isn't he? Later on, I got really because no, that's their names, isn't it? Because they're all called like Lady Something or Other. <gasps> But she goes, oh, you're Lady Whoever, you're the person who I interviewed for the magazine. And yeah. she's all, but up here we're called Ruth. They've oh, been given new names. Okay, I So I that. think that's... that's a, I will say, I, I thought Mark was quite good looking, but <laughs> very, very tight jeans. And considering they're going to have to breed on this new planet, he needs to 
you know, not have such tight jeans. I like all their their um, jean sort of combo. Their seventies outfits. I love all the outfits on that spaceship. They're very cool. Now the spaceship outfits are odd because some people are really spacey, and then you've got him in his tight jeans. But they're, they're all up there, and I and then the, we find out a little bit more about what is going on, what this plot is, and it is again environmental. Again, I've put their basically seventies extinction rebellion up there doing their thing. I don't feel that actually. I felt that they were more like people that have been persuaded that. Uh, what does it remind me of? Uh, so, people, oh gosh, I, what, what was it? Um, oh, God, it's a horror series, American Horror Story. And the last season, one of the recent ones they've done, people were paying £5,000 a ticket to go and live underground because the world was about to be destroyed or whatever, that sort of thing. It reminds me, like, they're not, obviously they haven't paid to do it, but they're people that they've been they've been specifically chosen because... They're athletic, they're smart, they're clever, and they will help rebuild a better society. Uh, and they've been brainwashed into believing this. And I think that's quite a clever plot, is they're not just normal people. They're all people that are you know, interested in the environment. I mean, I will say one thing. If they're going to breed on this planet, there was only three of them, and the like, you know, Ruth was... <laughs> Bless her, she was getting on a bit there. But like, let's it's face like you it. need the older people, they'll establish a society while the younger ones populate it. I mean, you need someone to establish this new government, a new sort of like healthier way. And they've obviously been persuaded because they're all good people that we're going to take you somewhere away from this terrible society where you can rebuild and restart and it will be just like Earth, but it'll be cleaner and it'll be like old again and you can do it the right way. And yeah, it's an interesting one. And I couldn't get over the fact that it was a woman from a lower low as well. I was just expecting to speak French the whole time in the French accent. <laughs> well, hello, René. And where does she go for episode five? She just disappears. That annoyed me. Bruce. Like her character. She's only in four and six. But no, I, I like the spaceship lot. I like that. I like them. I think they're a good, a good bunch of people. I like the guy in episode six who just pops up randomly as a couple of lines. Oh, I don't, like, oh no, I don't like him. He's oh, just he, woke up. Where did he come from? No. Where did he come well, they're, from? They're, wake, they're waking everyone up. They're waking everyone up, aren't they? So uh, there's a great bit of acting from one of the extras who wakes up, and obviously she's like, ah. and then it's when like Ruth comes in and she's like looking around, like it's yeah. And shout out to the extras. And I like how Sarah in this she she is the one she has her own you know again she's own a second story she is having literally her own Sarah Jane adventure here doing her own thing completely separate from the Doctor and all that story getting in there. And she wants to get out there. And she does. She has a bit of a Katerina moment. She goes in the airlock and goes through. <laughs> but I'll be honest, that was fucking she's showing, great. She, she's carrying Katerina how it, sh- it should have <laughs> been what, done. I mean, like, because like you said, this is a second adventure. She doesn't know spaceships yet. She doesn't know all that stuff. So she's already determined that those machine things do not work. How she's determined that, I don't know. She's a journalist, she keeps telling us. She's a journalist, ladies and gentlemen. And then she bravely goes, like, into... I mean, it could have been leading to anything, but she's so convinced. Ah, but she has a she has a bruise from her plank of wood, and she says it would have healed. That was the first moment where I was like, "Yeah, it's definitely three months." Because up until that, I just thought she was just being a bit annoying and like in denial, and it had been, and there was going to be some sort of plot twist. I didn't know the reason, but I thought she must have been out for a while, and we're here, and I was just I couldn't stand that either. But when she said the bruising, I was like, "Yes, yeah." 
you've not been and, and now you're i'm on board with you is it bad that i would have thought it would be really funny if it, they were actually in space <laughs> i mean that's a whole nother story imagine that's an <laughs> epic where she's off there and she the doctor has to find her later that's like yeah that's kind of what i was expecting <laughs> i thought somehow he she's been like knocked into that thing knocked out and he's lumbered onto some ship because at this point we know that there's some sort of like this guy he's got way more knowledge than they realized so yeah i just think i i did believe it up until the whole bruise thing i just thought she was just being a bit manic so meanwhile we have the doctor going to the the underground and he gets there in the hoomobile is this i did miss bessie bessie yeah but isn't the hoomobile better than bessie this sums up john pertwee that he the hoomobile was something that he commissioner got someone and he drove genuinely drove around to work in Ugh. the Hoomobile. It was that he wanted in the, and oh they wrote it God. in the show. Don't make me not like him. So don't make I mean, me. Like, no, I do love John Pertwee. I just I, I but I do think as well, especially like as I think is it episode five where like most of it is just the chase, isn't it? Really? Like that's the only bit of the story that's a bit kind of you know, when he escapes and he does the Venusian thingy on Benton and then he is you know he's driving around that's a little bit kind of the plot then kind of does go a little bit it's padding askew. isn't it for the yeah, that's yeah, what, it's oh, padding. yeah it is but with that I was going to say with the underground stuff me and David have been to when was it is it Monument Underground Station where they filmed outside I think it yeah I think it was so we went there to check that out it's just around the corner from Isabel's manhole <laughs> <laughs> we went there, didn't we? If We're in the same place. Isabel's hole, you can uh, also go in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just around the road. And I remember it's Monument Station because I remember because we had that breakfast outside at that place where Monument is. Yes, we did. And I genuinely, that was such a nice breakfast. I still think about that fruit salad and that egg that I had. <laughs> it's honestly, there's this really nice cafe outside Monument. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it was literally outside. Like It was. We were sat We're on the street. Monument. Yeah. And then the station was around the corner where they filmed Invasion of the Dinosaurs. And um, that's such, oh, that was such a good breakfast, generally. That was pretty <laughs> cracking, wasn't it, actually? I yeah. Mark hasn't. <laughs> So when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, that breakfast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would you have in the Invasion of the Dinosaurs breakfast? Um, oh, I don't know. Like some... some Pterodactyl on toast. There. Some meat. <laughs> some meat? Just some meat. <laughs> just some, not some mead, some meat. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to... Um, I w- okay, this is, I was going to say that no, I was going to say this earlier, but I will ask Ruth if she wants to make anything for the next Oscars catering. <laughs> See if she's got any. Oh, she Russell something up from from New Earth. <laughs> she probably wouldn't let you. She'd probably think, "Oh, you do it yourself." <laughs> yeah, she's a tough cookie. That or one. Nigel. Nigel have some like vegan food, I reckon. Jer- Jer- Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Oh, Nigel. Yeah, Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so... I, I kept thinking whilst watching this that Cher should be in it because if I could turn back time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> maybe she is. Maybe she's up there asleep and they haven't woken her up yet. Maybe. Maybe, maybe she's all ready to go. <laughs> maybe they persuaded her to go up there. Um, I like all the underground stuff though. Uh, and there's a secret lift in the cleaning cupboard and all that stuff. Uh, the blue lift, which I think is quite a. Yeah. Like, but maybe they couldn't think of anything a bit more exotic. It's like the blue lift. Yeah, I thought yeah. that and, was funny. And you have the whole idea. So they're trying to get dinosaurs are in London to get everybody out of London. So when they turn back time, 
they're in the center to that protects them um so and then everybody else just basically gets killed and doesn't exist anymore apart from them in the center so we all but even yates isn't he he's like i don't care if i if i don't survive but he's sort of misled i think i'm not sure that's why you know he's been brainwashed by this whole situation not like as in by a machine or anything just by he's been brainwashed to believe this like a cult yeah it is very cult it is and up yeah they're, they're the cult in space aren't they yeah and and he's in that cult i wonder how yates you know maybe there's a maybe there's a big finish i don't know but like of how yates came across them you know because it i reckon that it was like i reckon like, it was a general yeah like, probably I, you, in my head there's meetings do you know what i mean and like they invite people to these like meetings where they've been having these small talks with the MP and he's been, like, bigging up these ideas and invited people come. It's usually these clever people, these kind that, you know, come along and talk about this and that's how they're sort of, like, initiated in, I guess. I also would like to have a mention, and this person is probably never, ever going to get mentioned in a Doctor Who podcast ever again, so I feel like it's his time to shine. I think we have to mention another hero of Unit, which is the guy who makes the tea. I knew oh, that was going to oh come up. God. You can have him do. I'll tell you what, he can make tea for the Doskers. Yes, he could do I'll the tea him. for the Doskers. Yep, I'll get him. I'll get him doing the. He's very that. sweet and a bit useless, isn't he? Bless him. He's when he's fun. like, you know, what can I do? And he's like, just make everyone tea. And I was like, you know, Joe's not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's no. the way he's like. It's the way he's so proud. He's like, okay, sir, off I go. <laughs> <laughs> so proud that he's making the tea. Oh, bless him! Every winner gets a cup of tea. Mm. Yeah, and um, just a shout out to Richard Franklin who plays Yates, who I think is great. And yes, he's very good in this. He, he is, is very... really good. And I'll post a picture of when I met him, and it's uh, it's not the best photo <laughs> ever. Is it the <laughs> one at Utopia? It's the Utopia one where which we've dubbed. <laughs> the child catcher <laughs> but he is lovely genuinely he is lovely he is. um and we were you've sitting got to there explain this you've got to explain why you've uh, dubbed it the child catcher because he looks like the, he's a bit like the child catcher <laughs> in it basically i'll have to post it i'll send it to you um <laughs> but he no, he's so nice he and we were well. having we were having lunch weren't we and he came up behind me and was like oh this always happens they always call, think i'm somebody else he was like i must say hello to jonathan and i looked up and he was like <laughs> I was like, and then he was like, "Oh, yeah. I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah. Do you know Richard Franklin came to my school? Oh, did he? Really? He did. Yeah, I met him at a convention, um, and we were doing a production of the Rocky Horror Show, which he was in. Mm. He did like a big like European tour of it, and I was telling him about it, and they got him involved, and he came in and like did a little bit of direction for it. Oh! But he came and saw the show as well. They like he like. And I remember, I'll never forget it because no one knew who he was in the nicest possible. Like they didn't because they didn't really watch Doctor Who. And then my teacher came over to him and was like, "David, is that Captain Yates from Doctor Who?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Oh my god, that's Captain!" Yates. And he was so like, my teacher was so excited, but no, no one else knew. And then a couple of months later, we did a we did the show, and he came and saw it. Oh, yeah. he, he is great. Although, yeah, he could be John. I played his part, so I was like, you know. <laughs> he said I was very good. When nice. he signed this, he he was like chatting. I don't know. I said, you know, two mark. He did write two mark, and then he was oh, halfway Jonathan? through. He was no. He called me Tony on that occasion. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, <laughs> what was it? Who was it that shouted like, "Say hello to your dad"? No, that was oh, Caroline Ford. Ford. That was Susan. 
that was so, so every time every time they always it just doesn't go right it's just getting worse every time i've just thought i well, next time i see caroline ford i need to tell her the neighbors is going to be cancelled i bet she'd help because <laughs> oh caroline ford does watch neighbors we've well, established yeah, but- well, you had that terrible conversation with her about it, didn't you? Yeah, but now I can <laughs> talk to her about it being cancelled. Oh my god! When I see her in a couple of months, I'm me and Carol are going to sort out neighbours. Yeah, but she, it'll she probably be cancelled by then, love. <laughs> no, there's time. Me and Carol we're going to sort it out. Caroline Ford is the saviour of neighbours. Yes, that's just come to me. That's a light bulb moment. Anybody who is listening to this and thinking, I wonder what get, they get up to at conventions. You know, I've never been to one before. They talk about neighbours. To Caroline Ford. Uh, Caroline Ford, she does watch Neighbours, as documented in Doctor Who magazine. Anyway. <laughs> when she remembers that she watches it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be upset. I need to get in touch with her. Right, anyway. <laughs> she get is, them all involved. She Why is. not? Get Katie, get Annika, oh get them all involved. Doctor Who saves Neighbours, that is a concept. Right. Um <laughs> Let's get back to the story. Oh, uh, we're near the end. We're near the end, guys. We are. We're getting. Oh, no, in I've episode five. This oh, in episode five, with the chase through the, you know, there's another helicopter. I noted another one for my book on helicopters of Doctor Who. Was that? Um, yeah, there's a helicopter after the Doctor. Oh, of course there is. Jane. Yes, you're right. You're right. That, um, and then, uh, well, Sarah Jane escapes, doesn't she? And well, she escapes, and then the general takes her back, doesn't? That's what happens, isn't yes. it? Yes. She go, yeah, doesn't she go and find him and say, this is what's happened? Yeah. And he's like, oh, take me there. And then he's like, and then he's got you the, go. Yeah, then he's got the gun and everything. And then Grover pretends to be in the space suit and goes through. And mm. and then it's Mark slash John is believes, finally. And it all starts to sort of unravel from there. Um, I was really shocked with Yates gets the gun out on... Uh, yeah, that was the yeah. first moment where I was like, oh, you've chosen your side here. And yeah. Benton... Beats him up. And um, the general as well. Yeah. yeah. Benton's got a great moment. Benton really saves the day here. Mm. Look at Mark's little stubborn face. No, I know. I know. I just feel like Benton is just always the same. I think that's what it is for me. Benton's just always the same throughout these. And yeah, he's he's loyal to the Doctor and Unit and everything. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just like the Yates character change and development but do you more. think that's because yates gets an arc rather than yeah. benton who's just always there yeah that's what i think it is that's why I, I think i don't think there's any more to benton once you've seen him in one story that's it that's the problem mm. for me i think maybe but, but, but i quite but also, like knowing that i quite like in the same way the brigadier doesn't the brigadier is there and the brigadier is who he is there's something there's something quite nice about that and it's nice in this as well that they're all given an equal amount to do and a lot of the other john pertwee stories you know, Yates and Benton aren't really in it that much. I mean, the demons is probably what the the other story. There's another one coming on later, which I won't say. But that's the story that you've seen where they're in it more. A lot of the other times, they're kind of just behind a desk, mm. sat in the background, kind of. And I think it was Richard Franklin's idea, wasn't it, to go bad? I think that was sort of. Oh really? He decided that he wanted to change the character a little bit. So I think they decided. He sort of said, "Have you ever thought about if I went evil?" To the producers and the producers were like oh that's a really good idea let's let's go with that and i think i think that's that's also part of the shock isn't it as well is that yates all the way through has been sort of the nice kind of 
helpful captain. So it makes sense to make him the baddie of the piece, really. And then, what? you know, it all went Pete Tong with Joe, so he's gone to the dark side, hasn't he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Joe or nothing. But what if it had been Benton? Would you have believed it if it was Benton? Well, no. Because no, no. also because Yates has got better acting skills than Benton. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I think... Actually, Benton is so like I always just think of the brigadier and Benton. Yates has sort of been out a little bit more. You know, he's he's left unit in which one was it? It was like two or three stories ago, and he was like on the other side. He's like the man on another side, isn't he? Now, in death, yeah. You know, he's not as involved, but we know him. He, that's why it's such a surprise. It wouldn't work with it was Benton because he's so with the Brigadier. He's like the Brigadier's new right-hand man. He's done so much. I'd just be like, where is that? What what has happened? There's something wrong here. He's sort of detached more that it makes more sense for that to be him. I see what you mean. And it all gets wrapped up fairly quickly. They do press the button and stuff starts to turn back. But because the Doctor's a Time Lord, he sort of goes through and manages to push the button back. Hero moment. That is one of those things, again, and we've said this before, is for a six-parter, the, the Denouement one is pretty quick. You know, it's sort of, that's it, it's over and, and on to the next story. Which is, I think, a little bit of a shame, really, because, do you not think? It built and built. The worst part I thought, actually, was when all the people came through. Like, literally, she's she. they were so... This, this is not true. And then she walks through an airlock and then they all just follow her and they go upstairs and like, we're not happy about this. And I was like, this is the wettest part of the story right now. It didn't feel like an ambush. It didn't feel like anger. It was like, we don't agree with what you're doing. Right. And also, how do they not hear the explosion? Because the doctor blows up the... Yeah. Like, there's so many things like... It just felt... That bit just felt quite rushed. But the actual... When it... it did all reach it and it was going back and forth and like that climax that felt really good that was like yeah finally but also it's that it's for me you don't really get closure because it's just like well captain yates is having a bit of sick leave and you know the general is off. that's yeah he's gonna have early retirement isn't he yeah i would like to have seen those characters kind of get their comeuppance Mm. because only really it's it's grover and whitaker that go back in time as you know, with Cher. Going um, back time. Damn. But those other characters, that's just them gone. So I think that's that's a bit of a shame. But I, I also I like, like, I thought it was a really clean way to end it. Because, I mean, he's so mad, he was going to have, he was go- he's either going to have to be killed or the best thing was literally for him to just go, to vanish him. Because... He was so crazy, he would have done it. He just kept doing it. He kept taking them back and forth, you know? Yeah. Who? Okay, here's a question for you. Who would you say is the main villain of this story? You only love one. Only one? Oh, um, I'm going to say Captain Ruth. Finch. No, um... <laughs> Who? I went Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> She's behind it all. No, you went Captain just... Finch. Yeah, because he gets the Doctor on the run... And I think he has the more of the power. Okay, there's the MP guy, but then the, the scientist Whitaker. But I think the MP. Following order. Well, Grover. is the MP Whitaker? No, that's um, Grover. he's just the MP Grover. That's it. I thought the MP, but mainly it's just because of that tension scene, 
and he's obviously persuaded all those people that this is the right thing to do. It's between him and the scientist. See, I think Whitaker because he's the one that's you know he's the one that's doing it basically. Yeah, true. He could he could just say no, I'm not doing this. I'm, but he's he's they're clearly mm. paying him a lot of money to do this. He's not backing down or anything. So, well, he truly believes it. That's the thing, isn't it? He truly yeah. believes that this will work mm. and this is the right thing to do. It's it's a good another a good environmentally you know for the seventies. It's still that same vibe of as the green death just a different take on it yeah so it's quite forward thinking it's a much better story though than the green death not once during this whole story did i feel bored like i was saying i was saying to you i watched i actually watched this story a couple of weeks ago and then when mark got in contact to say this is the date we're recording it i thought oh, i'll just watch episode one and you know the first one and the last one again and i watched the whole thing just because i just think it's such a good romp of an adventure i think the weakest part is the dinosaurs yeah but it's it's again like you've got to have a context where it's of its time yeah and i think i i've said this a lot about other doctor who stories i do sometimes feel with doctor who fans that they often think about the dinosaurs as this one and they don't look at the actual story yeah and I think that's that's the only thing that's a shame about this one is it's forgotten about because the first time you say invasion of the dinosaurs, they go, oh, yeah, rubbish dinosaurs. They don't actually think about the story of, you know, the whole turning back time and bringing all that. And like I said, in a way, dinosaurs are secondary to this, mm. but because they're so infamous as being rubbish. Um, yeah, it's funny. This isn't going to be in anyone's top 10. I don't know anyone that's like, oh, I really love this. Mm. Um, but I think... It should be reevaluated. Yeah, take the dinosaur, take that out of your mind, and yeah, just look at the script, like and that you know, like that cliffhanger. Um, I think it's, it's great. the best. I think it's the best John Pertwee story. Ooh. In my opinion, I, it's it's up there for me now. Yeah, I would say that and the demons are the two that are mm. you know. Interesting. I think the other thing, because and this is probably the same with you, Mark, when you're watching these when you're younger, you don't quite get the story. Mm. Because obviously you're young, you don't know about the whole... But actually watching it when you're older, Mm. you're thinking, this is such a clever idea. This is such a good idea for a story. And especially now with New Doctor Who, they say it's too political. I mean, you know, you can't get more political than this one, really. That's what I find so funny when people comment on stuff like this. And I'm just like, are you what... Like, I'm doing these all for the first time. I don't have, like... It's not like I watched them as a child and I'm coming back and, like... They are like you know. There's one a few weeks ago, and we were like, it was about the EU, and that was that. It'd be the same as if Doctor Who now did a story about Brexit. At the time, that is what was happening, and it's definitely political, and it's definitely challenging its own ideas and th- things. You know, even like even the role of women, it has a lot of strong female characters, and we've had that period where we had a few more of the dams and distress sort of things. But Sarah James, Jane, I know I'm joking. Sarah Jane, is, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Jane is um, a strong female character who has a job. She's not just like some, you know, model, or she's not just she's she's a journalist. She's a journalist, ladies and gentlemen. She's a working girl, and she's like now stumbled into all this and brings what she as that person. She brings those elements to this character and story. Yeah, even Ruth, the other character in this, she's just, you know, she's strong. You know, she's not a damsel in distress either. She is a 
my political figure. I'm really upset I didn't make a top trump card of her now because I am really, I really do love Ruth. I, uh, you know, um, Ruth is great. She's not a woman of who though. I'm sorry no, she's not a woman say. of who. I, no, no, I agree with you. She's not a woman of who, but I think she's a great character in a story that is basically full of men because <laughs> there's no other women in it. Again, you know, the two women that you do have in this actually are really good. Well, there we go. I think that's we've sort of gone through the story oh, there. I think we have to mention one final bit. Okay. Which is the only bit that makes me laugh so much is at the beginning of episode six when there's the dinosaur fight. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean. Like it. I mean, it's no Jurassic Park, The Lost World, or whatever, it's, is it? I, mean, I actually looked is... away. I got back because I had, I only had that episode left to watch. So I got back today and I put it on. I saw that and I went, oh, I'm going to go and put the kettle on. So I did. And I came back and sat down. That is how like uninterested I was in the dinosaur fight. I was like, oh, no. I think that's, I'll make a note of that for worst moment for the next Oscars, yeah, unfortunately. Did you ever see the dinosaurs in the in the Langoflin Museum? Because I always remember <gasps> they were in Langoflin. The, the models, dinosaurs. no. Yeah, and they were paper. Were they paper mash? I can't remember what they were. A sponge or something like that. Because I always remember that there was always one that had a bit of a crooked neck. I'll show you next time I see. Oh, because it, it was the one that got bit. Wow. <laughs> Probably was. <yeah. laughs> Don't bash it too I much. So it's will amazing come that stuff like that still exists. Like someone has got those actual dinosaurs somewhere. Like now yeah i think we've we've gone through everything haven't we we better um um get through this airlock and get back well i was gonna say back to earth but sorry everyone just to say we are actually have been on earth this whole time recording what do you mean sorry i know sorry i know it's a shock but other people i feel like other people are starting to wake up and i just don't don't want to you know we're gonna start we're gonna go up the top and be angry about it but not that angry because we're polite and british yeah. We'll, just, we'll just like say our disapproval at what's happened. Well, um, I need to tell Sarah what the next story's called. Oh, yeah. What, what is the next story called? So it's four episodes. Yay! And it's called Death to the Daleks. <laughs> By Terry Nation. <sighs> yes. Can I, just say, can I just say one thing about that next week? Okay. Yeah. When I when I say this, this is gonna you, you'll realise what I mean. So all I'm gonna say is do 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 do. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I feel like like if it was ever time to start a Terry Nation drinking game, it would be for ne- four episodes Terry Nation drinking yeah. game. You'll yeah. be bladdered by the end of episode one. <laughs> It's Actually, got all of those better. points. It's got all the. It's got all of those things in it. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know what you're getting with a Terry Nation. I know. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But it's only four. It's at least. Yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. Six. Normally they're like, "Here's a 16 part Dalek Terry Nation." Sorry. Fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that sounds amazing. 16 episodes of <laughs> Terry. Mark, shut up. <laughs> Okay, all right, okay. Well, we will see you all next week for Death to the Daleks. <laughs> Guess Where can you find us? Like it or not. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Watch Who. And you can support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Two Watch Who. And David, where can people find you? Oh, uh, uh, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Two Watch. No. Um, at, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, you can find me at Mrs. Remington Fan and Instagram at a little bit of chaos. Cool. Well, thank you very much for, for chatting with us. 
Very welcome. We better. We better. I'll get the airlock ready. Shall okay, I? you just, get that. Yeah, okay. you get the door open. Yeah, great. I'll go first just in case anything. Happens. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you go first. You go first. Yeah, the is a pterodactyl. I'm surprised he doesn't send me first. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All I can see is Katerina over just floating past. So I'm, I might just stay here with Ruth. Actually, me and Ruth are just going to watch some of those um, war films on the TV yeah. screen. Just come and watch a low yeah. and low. <laughs> yeah. You go. You keep going and getting reconditioned or whatever, Mark. That's fine. We'll leave. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll okay. See well, he does week. like to get reconditioned with his hair, doesn't he? So you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. Ta-ta. <laughs> Watch who?